Hello, and welcome to the Word Experience Podcast, where the Word of God is experienced in a fresh new way. Prepare yourself to hear God's Word talk with simplicity and understanding. And now, here's your host, Cliff Goldberg. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome once again to the Word Experience Podcast, where we experience the Word in a fresh new way. I am your host, Cliff Goldberg. Let's start this off with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time of learning and understanding and growing, uh, this time of revelation, this time that you have deemed uh, the time that you will pour out your understanding and your revelation and your godly perspective on the word that you have given me to share with the world today. God, just open their hearts, open their ears, their minds, and um, position them mentally and spiritually to receive this word, to understand this word, and then let your wisdom pour out into their hearts to know how to apply this word to their everyday godly living and see change happen from the inside out. We declare that no weapon formed against this time shall prosper. We declare that the purpose of God will be made manifest in the life of your people, God. We trust you. We lean on you. We rely on you. We gather together to sit at your feet to hear the golden pearls of wisdom. I guess gold, pearls, well, it's heaven. It could be gold and pearls mixed together. That your wisdom be poured out today uh, in the lives of your people. We honor you. We bless you. We praise you. We reverence you. There is no one higher in our lives but you, God. We give your name the glory and the honor and the praise and declare by faith that what I have spoken shall come to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, fam. Uh, Last time we were together, We looked at a uh, series called The Good Fight, and uh, we were looking at the three uh, aspects of spiritual warfare, uh, internal warfare, uh, and then we looked at that internally and some spiritual stuff, and then we're going to look at some natural stuff today, and um, it was really, really good. It was really, really good. So uh, it's so much, and uh, it was so much stuff, I don't want to try to go back and and do a review because it's just way too much it's just (laughs) and you have access to the podcast so um if you haven't heard it go back and check it out give it a listen and uh we're going to pick up today on part two of the three levels of spiritual warfare part two all right now in 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 many uh athletic sports whether it's basketball or football, they do it a little bit in baseball now and probably hockey. I'm not a a follower of hockey, so I'm not sure. But I know oftentimes uh, they have a scouting report and someone has uh, got film on the opponent, the upcoming opponent, and uh, members of the team will sit together or individually and watch film and scout out their opponent. So they can understand who they're dealing with, what their tendencies are, what their strengths are, and what their weaknesses are, and what they could do to exploit the weaknesses of the opponent and minimize the strengths of the opponent, right? And then get an understanding of what you do well and what can I do, what do I do well that I can apply against my opponent and gain the victory. Right? They do this a lot in football, film study, film study, film study, right? Studying and knowing your opponent, all right? Uh, in military, they oftentimes talk about studying your enemy, 
and knowing who your enemy is, knowing who your opponent is. So because because once you know who your opponent is, you can utilize or create or take advantage of the weapons that you already have to gain victory over your enemy. But it's hard to gain a victory over an enemy if you don't really know who your enemy is. Or I'll put it this way, it's easier to gain victory over your enemy when you know who your enemy or your opponent is. So as it is in sports, as it is in the military, so it is in spiritual warfare. We need to understand who our enemies are and then go about attacking the enemy in the right way so we can gain the victory in a, on a consistent basis. So we've got two enemies that we want to look at today. And uh, we're going to do some film study, right? I don't have any film, but we're going to study our enemies so we can gain the victory over our opponents. So we're going to start with the spiritual aspect of the enemy. And uh, that enemy is basically Satan, the devil. Uh, I looked up that word devil. And uh, the definition that we're looking at here is the enemy of God and Christ. The enemy of God and Christ. So it stands to reason if the devil, if Satan is the enemy of God and Christ and we are God's people, it would stand to reason that Satan is our enemy also. Okay, and so we want to understand that there is nothing about Satan. There is nothing about the enemy that 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 likes us, that 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 wants the best for us. In another place, Satan is known as the accuser of the brethren. Another uh, definition of who he is is a slanderer. All right. Uh, and so this is our spiritual enemy. Now, last podcast, we talked about the spiritual forces that were in high places in Ephesians chapter 6. Well, this dude is the general of all of the spiritual high places. He is the highest of the high of the dark forces. All right. And he is our enemy. As they used to say back in the uh, old gangster movies, he is public enemy number one. He is Christian enemy number one. He is kingdom enemy number one. All right. And so we want to look at uh, studying up on our enemy. So again, we'll know how to defeat him. So let's go to Ephesians chapter six, verse 11. Um, and we're almost kind of working backwards with Ephesians chapter six, because we looked at what we needed to use and our weapons and weapons of warfare and all of those things. But we want to focus in now on the enemy. All right. So Ephesians chapter six, verse 11 and Paul admonishes us to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. All right. That word wiles now translates uh, in one translation, the devil and his schemes, the devil and his schemes. All right. Um, if we go, I think we did this in Matthew chapter four. Uh, I believe that's where Jesus had gone up to a high place. The scripture says that he was uh, led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted, tested of the devil. And that was his scheme. The devil had a scheme in place. And his scheme was to get Jesus to question his authority and to question his identity. 
right? And to give in to whatever natural temptations he had because of his flesh. He was God, but he was God in flesh, right? Later on in Scripture, the Scripture says that Jesus was tempted at all points, yet without sin. Well, where was he tempted? In three areas, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, all right? And the enemy, Satan, the devil, was trying to use his schemes to get Jesus to give in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and or the pride of life. It's the same thing he tries to get us to do, to give in to the schemes that he uses where we can, where we fall into or give into uh, those three areas of temptation. If he can get us to give in to the lust of the flesh, he can take us down a road that makes life a whole lot harder than it has to be. If he can get us to give in to the lust of the eye, we can find ourselves in situations and circumstances and we look up and go, how did we get here? If he, if he, if he can get us to give in to the pride of life, we can find ourselves in a high, high place, high on the outside, empty on the inside. Successful on the outside, suicidal on the inside because we've allowed pride to lead us and guide us in our decision-making process. Okay, so that's what he does. He uses schemes to get us to get off of the will of God for our lives and on to some whole other thing that he's trying to get with with the get us to do with the point of destroying us. All right, which leads us to John 10 and 10. John 10 and 10, the purpose of our enemy. What is the purpose of the enemy in our lives? He has no good plan for our lives. Now, now God said in Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, the thoughts and plans I have for you are good plans, right? I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans of good and not evil, right? Not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. That's what our God has for us. The enemy has exactly the opposite for us. The plans he has for us are... <laughs> I'll use this word from the old movies and cartoons, dastardly plans. The plans that the enemy have for us are no good. And though they may seem good, they are no good, right? Um, I guess I, I'm, I'm, I'm being nostalgic today. I'm thinking about the cartoon, uh, the Disney story about Pinocchio. And um, at one point, Pinocchio wants to be a boy. He goes off with these other guys right? And they go to this place where the boys can play pool, the boys smoke cigars, the boys uh, uh, drink beer. They do all of this stuff that, you know, adults usually do, some adults. <laughs> and, and, and the guy goes, come on, Pinocchio, come on with us, right? And Pinocchio goes with them to this place, and they're drinking, and they're smoking, and they're shooting pool, and having a grand old time. And right in the middle of the festivities, the boys start turning into donkeys, all right? It looked like it was a great time. It looked like it was fun. It looked like it was enjoyable, but you turn into a donkey, right? And there is always a price to pay for doing things in line with the temptations that come from the enemy. He has nothing good for us. He has nothing good for us. All right. So when we when we understand who the enemy is, 
it makes it easier for us to resist his schemes, right? And not only to resist, but then go on the attack, right? And that's when we were talking about it in the earlier podcast in Ephesians 6, where Paul was talking about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now we go on attack with our weapon, which is the word of God, which is what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 4. At every temptation, Jesus said, it is written, and then he quoted something from Scripture in the Old Testament. All right? And we got 66 books of, of sword <laughs> that we, when we use it in proper context, it, 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 it creates a great wound. It wounds the enemy deeply. And what happened in Jesus' case, the enemy went away for a time. Okay? So, so you want to keep the enemy off of you? Continue to apply the word of God to push back the temptations that he's giving you. All right. So let's look again at the purpose of the enemy, the purpose of Satan. John 10 and 10. This is a very familiar uh, portion of scripture. I'm going to talk about the first part of John 10 and 10. He says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. So if the enemy is coming in your life, he's coming with only three purposes, steal something, kill something, or destroy something. And it doesn't have to be your physical body. It can be a dream. It can be the way you think. It can be, uh, uh, it could be your physical body. It could be a relationship, it could be a business, it could be a ministry, it could be a marriage. If he's coming, he's coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his sole purpose. He ain't coming to hang out. He's not coming to kick it. He's coming with one person. If he's hanging out and kicking it, it's with the purpose of stealing, killing, and destroying. That's his whole purpose, right? Uh, the movie, The First Terminator. And the guy was talking about what the Terminator does. And then he said at the end of it, that's what he does. That's all he does. And we can apply that to the enemy. He is the spiritual Terminator. All he's coming to do is steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does, and that's all he does. The voice translation says the thief approaches with malice. I'm sorry. The thief approaches with malicious intent. Wow. The thief approaches with malicious intent, looking to steal, slaughter, and destroy. Because we are connected to God and because he hates God, he hates everything connected to God. And so he knows he can't kill, uh, steal, kill, and destroy God. So he's going to try to steal, kill, and destroy everything connected to God. And we are his most precious creation. I think in Psalms 8, uh, David says that we are made just a little lower than uh, the translation from King James says we're made a little lower than the angels. But really that translation is Elohim, right, which is spiritual beings. So we're basically uh, just a little lower than spiritual beings, essentially a little lower than God, all right? So we are his most prized creation, and so his goal is to make God look bad by stealing, killing, and destroying on us, all right? 
The thief approaches with malicious intent, looking to steal, slaughter, and destroy. That's his purpose. That's his goal. That's what he's trying to do. And so if I understand that I'm in an argument with someone, if I understand if my marriage turned a, you know, took a wrong turn, if I understand that my children are being rebellious, if I understand that my parents are all of a sudden flipping out and, and doing some crazy stuff. If I understand that I go to work one day and my supervisor uh, has flipped the script and now I got all kind of drama going on at work, it is because the enemy is trying to steal something, slaughter something, or destroy something. That relationship, that place of employment, all of those things. It, it, and, and once I understand that now, I can stand firm and now begin to apply my weapons of warfare, which are mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, which is what we talked about in the last podcast. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's look at another aspect of the enemy. And then this is the part of, you know, the Satan being a thief. We're going to look at Luke chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. Luke chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. All right, we're still talking about our spiritual enemy, kingdom enemy number one, who is Satan. Luke 11, I'm sorry, Luke 8, verses 11 and 12. And uh, this is about the parable of the sower. And Jesus, in previous verses, has given this parable out to the people. And now he's off to himself with the 12. And they ask him, what does the parable mean? And so Jesus is explaining it. And we're looking at it from Luke's gospel. All right, Luke 8, 11 and 12, he says, now the parable is this. This is Jesus talking. He says, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Right? So, so here we see Satan operating in one of his uh, characteristics, a thief. And he comes to steal the word that people have heard, and he's doing it with the purpose of keeping people from believing and keeping people from being saved. Because the word heard and understood and sown into the hearts of man will cause a man to believe in Jesus and cause a man to be saved by faith. But if, if the word is taken, right, because of a wayside heart, or a heart that 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 that's stony and has no no place for entrance, right? Before it can, even though it's heard, before it could be understood, it's stolen. Now in Matthew's gospel, I believe he says that Satan comes to steal the word that that the person does not understand. And so understanding is paramount. If you want to hang on to a word and get to a place of believing that word, you first have to understand it before you can believe it. Okay? And this is why understanding is so important where the word of God is concerned. It's not enough just to read it. It's not enough to just quote it. It's not enough to just memorize it. You have to understand it so it can't be stolen from you. Okay? Because if you don't understand it, it can be stolen. Now you don't believe it. And if you don't believe it, you can't be saved. Okay? That progression. So if I can steal the word, 
I can essentially steal your belief. And if I can steal your belief, I can steal your salvation. Now, if you're already saved, right, he may be able to steal a word on healing so you don't believe and can't be saved from being uh, 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 saved from being uh, sick or overcoming an illness. Uh, if you if you if you don't understand a word on success and prosperity, he can steal that word from you. And though you are born again, you don't have a belief in prosperity. So now you can't have the salvation of prosperity. If 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 you don't understand joy, the word of God on joy, he can steal the word of God on joy that you don't understand. And now you don't have peace. No, you have no joy. Right. The scripture says that the joy of the Lord is the strength. So if you have no joy, you have no strength. If you have no strength, now you're weak. And if you're weak, you can't fight the enemy. Right. So he gets to the root of it. The word of God. If I can if I can distract them, even if I even if they hear it, if I can distract them, if I can get them to a place where they don't really understand it, I can steal it. I can steal it. Right. So the goal is to make sure that the word we hear is a word that we understand, because once we understand it, it cannot be stolen. All right. So that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to steal something. He's trying to destroy our lives, destroy, steal the word, <laughs> kill our belief and destroy our salvation. How about that? Right. Steal the word destroy our belief, and kill our salvation. And, and even if he can't take the born-again experience away from us, all of the other benefits that come with being in relationship with God, he'll steal that. And we don't believe it. And now, you know, our salvation in that area has been destroyed. I think the next podcast I'm going to do is something called uh, uh, True Righteousness what it really means to be righteous from God's perspective because many people don't understand what righteousness is, uh, what it is to be righteous, the benefits of being righteous, um, being the righteousness of God is what Paul calls it. And uh, if you don't understand it, you can't believe it and you lose your salvation in that area of righteousness. All right. All right. So that's our spiritual enemy, kingdom enemy number one. The, de the devil, the enemy of God and Christ, all right? So when we understand who he is and when we understand what his schemes are, now we can attack in that particular realm, right? If you know you have a thief lurking around your neighborhood, you're going to put stuff on lockdown and you're going to buy some extra locks. You might buy some protection for inside the house, right? Baseball bat, some other kind of weapon to be prepared when the enemy tries to come in. All right. So we have to be prepared with the word of God. Jesus was the ultimate example. I think we talked about that in the last podcast. Jesus was the ultimate example in how to defeat the enemy. The word of God applied in proper context, applied in the proper manner. Right. And once that word is applied as our sword of the spirit, now we'll get the victory over the enemy. All right. So we have to have to have to. I was talking to one of my brothers the other day and he said, you know, he was in the military and he said in the military, they trained them to prepare for war in a time of peace. Prepare for war in a time of peace. So you don't prepare for 
war in a time of war, it's too late. We want to prepare for war in a time of peace. Because in a time of peace, you can practice and you can rehearse and you can train and you can get ready, right? When the bullets start flying, it's too late to try to learn how to use your weapon now. Trying to read the instructions on the weapon while the bullets are flying. You're not going to win. At best, you will survive. But you're not going to win, right? So we train with our weapon now. We train with prayer the weapon of prayer. We train the weapon of the Word of God, using the Word of God correctly, using the Word of God in proper context, understanding the Word of God be, before the cross and understanding what the Word of God is after the cross and rightly dividing the Word of God so when it's time to use it, when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Well, that standard now for us is going to be the Word of God. And we utilize the word of God, understanding who our weapon is, who our enemy is, utilize the, the, the weapon of peace, utilize the weapon of love, right? That weapon of love, man, it's an amazing weapon. It's probably right up under the word of God, the weapon of love, right? And those, those two words don't seem to go together, but love is an amazing spiritual weapon. I think Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, love uh, uh, love conquers all. Love, now I got to look it up now because it's on my mind. <laughs> love never fails. That's what he says. Love conquers all is a cliche from the movies. <laughs> love never fails. The weapon of goodness, right? The weapon of patience. It never fails. The weapon of endurance, which is patience, right? Those weapons never fail. And we have to understand how to use the weapon effectively, though, in order for, to, in order for us to gain the victory. All right. So uh, let's look now at some natural enemies, our natural enemy. Now, this word enemy here uh, is more than, you know, we have that phrase now, a hater. A hater. They don't like you. They don't like what you do. They don't like how you dress. They don't like the way you talk. They don't like the church you go to. They hating on your denomination. That's not a real enemy. I looked this word up, enemy, and, and one of the phrases that it used was someone who was hostile towards you. The hostile one. Hostile towards you. It's like they wish you dead. You know, I know we got all this stuff on social media and, and I don't want to make light of that because we have some of our young people who've taken their lives because of hostile words uh, on social media. But 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 this is about if I could find you, I'd, I'd cut your throat because I'm hostile towards you. If I could, I'd take everything that you have and leave you penniless because I'm hostile towards you. This is the enemy that we're talking about. Now, if you want to if you want to take it to the level of people don't like you or people hate you or people trying to do things to get you fired or people trying to do things to break up your marriage, yeah, that's what we're talking about. They're hostile towards you. Right? People doing things to make you um, uh, dislike your parents right and be hostile towards your parents these are the enemies that we're talking about somebody talking about you that's not what we're talking about we're talking about people who are trying to do you harm either internal harm or external harm because they are hostile towards you right this is our natural enemy so let's see what jesus says 
about our natural enemy. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44. Now remember, these are people who are trying to break up your marriage. These are people who are trying to get you fired. These are people who, who mean you no good. These are people who are trying to get you to get rid of your children, right? These are people who are trying to get you to uh, destroy your own self, your own life, your own career, all right? This is who we're talking about. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44. And I feel like I'm just, I just need to kind of stay here for a minute because who we call our enemy in today's society, just because they talk about you, they criticize you. Listen, 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 listen. You listening? <laughs> People are going to criticize you no matter what you do. No matter what you do. I, I was in Sunday school uh, on Zoom uh, this past Sunday, and we were talking about the Sunday school lesson was about John the Baptist and Jesus and how both of them were criticized. And, 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 and John did a certain thing one way and he got criticized. Well, Jesus did it the opposite way and he still got criticized. So, so no matter what you do, you're going to get criticized. That doesn't mean that person is your enemy. They just don't know you. And I think sometimes we put too much weight on people's other people's opinions, especially people who don't know you. They don't know you. Oh, they're following me on Twitter, but they don't know you. They follow me on Instagram, but they don't know you. So why are we giving so much weight to people who don't know you? Causing you to be upset, can't sleep at night, all stressed out because somebody said something to you on social media that don't even know you, don't have a heaven or hell to put you in. Did they criticize you? Yes. Does it hurt? Sure. It hurts my feelings, but I'm not, I'm not, that's not my enemy. I don't want to focus on people who criticize me. I want to focus on people who are going to build me up. I want to focus on people who are going to encourage me. I want to focus on people who are going to say, I got you. And, and, and I'll focus on their correction of me because they know me. Now, if someone knows me and comes to me and say, Cliff, listen, hey, man, you know, I know you're a good dude and all that, but that thing right there, dude, that was foul. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. And I have people in my life who will tell me, you know, my stuff stinks. <laughs> right? They will let me know, dude, you smell. You my boy, I love you. Or you my son and I love you. You my brother, you my, you know, I love you. But nah, 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 man, that wasn't the move to make. That, that wasn't the move to make. You know, years ago, I was doing stand-up comedy back in Chicago and I had a joke and um, it was a joke about a prominent figure in the civil rights movement and uh, internationally. And I told the joke to a very, very dear friend of mine. And she said, I wouldn't tell that joke if I were you. And I'm like, no, no, it'd be fun. Cause this. And she looked at me. She said, yeah, you can do it if you want to. But I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't tell that joke if I were you. So I get up that night. I tell the joke, bombed like crazy. I mean, bombed, right? I come off the stage, she's there, I come off the stage, and she just looks at me like, I told you, and I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's always good to have people like that in your life, and it's even better to listen to them when they tell you something, all right? But I'm not going to spend a lot of time listening to people that criticize me. I'm not going to put a lot of weight on that, especially if they don't know me. Last story, then we'll get into this scripture. I was uh, listening to a prominent minister, and... Uh, uh, he said he was walking down the street 
with another prominent minister and they were just talking and conversing and someone came up to them and said, oh my goodness, you guys, man, you guys are the most amazing ministers. Man of God, you 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 blessed my life. It's just been amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I praise God for you, right? And they were like, thank you. And they kept walking. He said, we got about a few blocks down the street. Here comes somebody else. And they would criticize, oh, you think you guys think y'all something and blah, 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 right? And he said, we kept walking. And he said, and I'll never forget this. He said, whether they uh, say Hosanna or crucify him, you just keep walking. Whether they praise you or criticize you, just keep it moving. Are you doing what God told you to do? Yes. Are you living your life to the best of your abilities? Yes. Did you, can you, do you make mistakes from time to time? Yeah. You know what? Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. And, and let's not give in to the pressure of uh, responding to critics, responding to anonymous critics. Even if they you know their name or their handle on Twitter, they're still anonymous critics. They don't know you. They don't know you. They don't know you. I'm sure if some people were listening to this podcast, they would have something to say about how I do what I do, and it would be negative. You know what? I don't have time for that. This is the thing that God has called me to do, right? Now, if someone that I know comes to me and I, I honor and respect who they are as people of God or whatever, and they come to me and say, Cliff, man, I, I like the way you do this. I like to, I, I just think you need to, to consider blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'll, I'll take a look at that. I can take a look at that. But just somebody who's hating just to be hating because their situation, um, we're not doing that. So, so, so come on, fam. Come on, fam. Let's, let's move up a little higher. Let's move up a little higher in, in who we pay attention to, whose opinions we value. Let's move up a little higher in that area, right? And, and, and let's, let's really focus in on who our enemy is in the natural, the hostile ones, the ones who are trying to, to really do harm to our lives. So here we go, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, 44, and we're going to look at how Jesus instructs us to deal with our hostile enemies. He says, you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, I want to substitute the hostile ones or ones who are hostile towards you instead of enemy. And let's see what this sounds like. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate the one who is hostile towards you. But I tell you, love the one who is hostile towards you and pray for those who persecute you. Wait a minute. Love the one who is hostile towards me? Love the one who is hostile towards me? Really, Jesus? Really? That's what I'm supposed to do? I, I, I can't seek revenge? Nope. The scripture says that vengeance is mine and I will repay, saith the Lord. So I can't do that. I'm pulling up now because uh, we're kind of doing, we're going to do a, do a little live Bible study. First Corinthians, uh, if you hear me typing, that's what I'm doing. Uh, chapter 13, uh, verses 3 through 7, I believe. And I'm going to read this from the passage translation, the passion, the passion translation. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. 
Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honestly and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. All right, I want to read this now from uh, the message translation. It says, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. I love this part right here puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. That's how we are supposed to deal with <laughs> the ones who are hostile towards us. Never give up on them. Care more for them than you do for yourself. Don't strut around. Don't think me first. Don't fly off the handle. Right. When they're hostile towards you. Now, this is a real challenge, man. Don't 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 think that God is asking us to do this without help from him because he's not. He understands that we need help in order to do this. We need the help from the Holy Spirit in order to do this. This is not something he's asking us to do in and of our own strength. We can't. This person is being hostile towards me and you're asking me to think more about him or her than they are about, than, than I think about me? You're asking me not to take offense? Do you know, God, what they did to me? Like, God didn't see it. Okay? He understands this, but he also understands that if we do this the right way, it's going to be a weapon that turns away that enemy. Okay? I want to read from one more translation. This is the Phillips translation. He says, this love of which I speak is slow to lose patience. Slow to lose patience. It looks for a way of being constructive. It is not possessive. It is neither anxious to impress, nor does it cherish inflated ideas of its own importance. Love has good manners and does not pursue selfish, ad selfish advantage. It is not touchy. It does not keep account of evil or gloat over the wickedness of other people. On the contrary, it is glad with all good men when truth prevails. See, this is what the world needs to see. It needs to see this kind of love, especially when it's directed towards people who are hostile towards us. Look at this. Love knows no limit to its endurance, no end to its trust. No fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. It is, in fact, the one thing that still stands when all else has fallen. Wow. Wow. Love knows no limit to its endurance. No end to its trust. No fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. 
It can outlast them trying to do you wrong. It can outlast them trying to get you fired. It can outlast them trying to get you set up. It can outlast trying to get you put, as my mother would say, get you put in the trick bag. It can outlast anything. Now, does that mean you allow people to walk over you? No. But what it does mean is I'm not going to treat those hostile to me. Like he said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's the world's way of dealing with it. Jesus says, love the ones, the way we were talking about. Use a spiritual principle that will outlast anything. Do it that way. Right? That's the way we have to deal with this. And there is victory in dealing with this, that this way. Now, somebody say, well, God, you're going to have to help me because that, that, I can't see myself doing that. That's fine. Yes, God, help me to love my enemies the way you tell me to love them. You know, we go on and on oftentimes about that whole turn the other cheek. I ain't turning the other cheek. You slap me on my cheek. I'm going to slap you on mine. No, it's the offer. Offer the other cheek. And I don't have time to get into this, but, but, but this is not about being a doormat to people who are trying to hurt you. That's not what this is about. It is about using kingdom principles, spiritual weapons that are designed to pull down and break down strongholds. Now, the, way, the reason that many of us are challenged with loving like this is because we've rarely seen it. We've rarely seen it from godly people. I tell you what, why don't you be the first one in your circle to love the unlovely? Why don't you be the first one in your circle to study 1 Corinthians 13 and start applying it to those people who are hostile towards you? Why don't you be the one to find out when that enemy's birthday is and send them a really great birthday card and just <laughs> destroy that spiritual enemy with love? Why don't you be the first one to give them flowers? Why don't you be the first one to wish them a happy, uh, a happy Friday? All right. Why don't you find out what kind of food they really like and buy them a gift card for that particular restaurant? Well, we're in COVID-19, but, you know, it's a gift card so they can use it whenever the, the restaurants open back up fully. These are the things that God is asking us to do with the help of the Holy Spirit. All right. All right. I got uh, my clock is moving. I got to hit this up. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 20. This is, again, how we deal with the hostile ones from God's perspective. Romans chapter 12, verse 20. He says, therefore, this is Paul talking, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If the one who is hostile towards you, feed him. If the one who is hostile towards you is hungry, feed him. If the one who is hostile towards you, thirsty, give them a drink. Right? They're hostile towards you. Give them a nice card. They're hostile towards you. Take them to lunch. They're hostile towards you. Buy them a birthday card, a nice birthday present. They're hostile towards you. Make sure you get their name in the gift exchange for Christmas time to get them a really nice gift. And then, you know, let them know it came from you. With a good God bless you and a big old smiley face. It, 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 seems, it seems opposite of how we were trained because it is opposite of how we were trained. Churches have split up 
because they haven't loved this way. Marriages are broken up because they haven't loved this way. You know, there is the romantic love and the great feeling and all of that stuff is wonderful. But there's going to be days, and I'm not even married, and I understand this based on, based on listening to people who are married. There's going to be days, man, when you will not want to see them. You don't even want to see the clothes that, they're, that they wear because it makes you so angry about what happened. Or that they hurt you so badly. Or they did this or they did that. So what are you going to do? You're going to end the relationship or are you going to fall back on the 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love? Being patient, being kind, thinking the best for them. Is it hard? Yeah, it's hard. But you know what's really hard? The death of a relationship. That's really hard. That's really hard. You know what's really hard? Allowing those people who are hostile towards you to get you hostile back towards them and now everything blows up. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to share this story and then we're going to call it a day. Some years ago, uh, I was in a situation where a coworker of mine wanted my boss's job. And so, uh, I work, I work at a, at a place where we are governed by the federal government and how we do what we do. And so, um, that particular coworker decided to use me as a pawn to make my boss look good, to make my boss look bad. And so I got caught up in some drama. Um, I had to be interviewed by members of the federal government. And uh, when I found out what my coworker did, yeah, your boy was pretty mad. I was pretty angry. And I found out about it on the weekend of my birthday. And I had some plans for my birthday. I was really excited. That Friday, I found out that my coworker was behind all of this. Long story short, I had to put what I'm talking about into practice. And it was not easy, but it was doable because I had learned, right, as my brother had told me, I had learned prepared for war in a time of peace. So I had been training myself on what godly love really was about and having small moments where I could put it into practice. And so now when the war came, I knew how to use my weapon. And I used my weapon of love. I encouraged him. I said hello to him. I didn't do what my flesh wanted to do, was to get up in his face and tell him, man, if you ever do something like that to me again, I wanted to do it, didn't do it. Had to, That's the wrong weapon. Had to apply the weapon of love. I had to apply the weapon of love. The end of the story is... That guy got fired, and um, by the grace of God, I, I impressed the FAA instructor, the FAA, uh, the federal government employee so well that he told my boss, if that guy can't teach it, nobody should teach it because he's the best I've ever seen teach this stuff. Because he had to come into my classroom and, 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 and watch me teach my students uh, this particular area of the, of the subject area, Okay. Had I, had I dealt with that in a non-1 Corinthians 13 kind of way, I probably would have lost my job. My flesh would have been satisfied, but my, <laughs> but my bank account would not have been satisfied. Okay, And as I let God do what he does, that guy ended up just digging a hole for himself and getting fired. Now, he didn't get fired over what happened in that situation, but he did get fired about something that happened down the line 
because his character pushed him right out of that job, right? I got the respect of those who were older than me at my job, who had been around for a long time, right? Because I made the decision to operate in godly love against someone who was trying to do me harm, against someone who was using me to get what he wanted from somebody else. Just straight cold calculating. And I could not respond in the way that I wanted to. I purposed in my heart to respond as a godly man and deal with things from a place of godly love. And it gave me the victory. And I don't know what that guy's doing now, but he's not working where I'm working anymore. And I'm still there. Okay. These are the things that come out of doing it God's way. It's only hard because our flesh wants to do it flesh way. But as we continue to work on using these weapons of warfare, using the word of God properly, using love properly, as we do those things in the proper manner, we're going to get a victory that's far beyond anything we could have imagined. And it keeps God in the mix. It keeps God's hand in the situation. See, when we handle things our own way, it moves God out of the situation. Because now we're doing it our way. And because we're doing it our way, it doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. All right? So let's endeavor to do things God's way, fam. Let, let's, let's really understand who our enemy is. And um, let's use the weapons that God has given us so we can gain the victory every time. Every time. Every time. Amen? All right, that's it for me. I gots to go. I gots to break up out of here. And uh, I know you guys were blessed because this surely blessed me. So uh, thanks again for listening. And tune in once again the next time on the Word Experience Podcast where we experience the Word in a fresh new way. God bless you. Peace. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that what you heard will start you on a journey of change and transformation. If you'd like to communicate with Cliff with a question or a comment, you can do so via email at clifftalk 63 at gmail.com. That's clifftalks, the number 63, at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. God bless, and we'll see you next time on The Word Experience.